Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, that uh, he, would, he would just interrupt me and just take us right now. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, we are going to be in John chapter 15 and verse 18. John chapter 15 and verse 18. A while back, I was doing something and, and got a paper cut on my finger, and it, it was an especially sensitive paper cut. I must have got a nerve or something. And every time I'd touch it, this, this pain would go through. You know, cuts can be painful, but sometimes cuts can bring deliverance. Uh, when you go to the doctor and you are diagnosed with cancer, Cutting out that cancer may be the only human way possible to deal with the problem that you have. Sometimes the gospel is kind of like a cut. Matter of fact, the scripture even describes it that way. In a couple of cases, it says they were cut to the heart. That is the truth of God's word cut through their lives and cut through their heart so that they were confronted with who they were, with who God was, with what God desired for their life, and they had to make a choice. Uh, sometimes cuts are unpleasant, but they're needed. Um, I, I believe that we need the truth of the gospel more now than we have ever needed it in our country. In our churches, in our lives, we need the truth of the gospel. And this scripture, Jesus is talking with his disciples shortly before he goes to the cross. And he is telling them, he's saying, look, I want you to understand when you share the truth of the gospel, there are going to be some results of that truth that you probably won't enjoy. Uh, there are going to be some things that happen as you share the truth of the gospel that will be hard but it is something that is absolutely critical. And so he tells them, he says, look, sometimes people will come to faith. Sometimes people will persecute you. But all through it all, the Lord Jesus says, I will be with you. And he sends his spirit to be with them in the work of telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so glad somebody told me about the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember when I was a 10-year-old ten, boy listening to a message and that cut to the heart thing it just applied to me. I, I realized at that moment that I was lost and I needed Christ. How desperately I needed Him. And eventually I repented and put my trust in Jesus Christ. And I will tell you, my life has changed. Hallelujah. Praise God for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the most exceedingly precious thing in this world. You see, the gospel changes lives. That's why it's so important for us to share. We need to share in the power of the Spirit and trust God with the results of it. And the title of my message is The Effects of Spirit-Filled Truth. The Effects of Spirit-Filled Truth. And as we read this, you'll notice that it is not just the truth, but it is the truth bearers that are hated. Um, so, the truth is the main reason the truth bearers are hated. 
but also when people see Jesus in us, we're different. And so it confronts the world. And so uh, there will be these responses. But let's look in verse 18. It says, if the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of it, the world hates you. Remember the word that I spoke to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But they will do these things to you on account of my name, because they don't know the one who sent me. If I had not come to them and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now they have no excuse for their sin. The one who hates me also hates my father. If I had not done the works among them that no one else has done, they would not have sinned. Now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But this happened so that the statement written in their law might be fulfilled. They hated me for no reason. When the counselor comes, the one I will send you from the father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the father... He will testify about me. You also will testify because you have been with me from the beginning. So the effects of spirit-filled truth. What are those effects? What happens when we share the truth of the gospel? Well, first of all, the gospel uncovers personal hatred. The gospel uncovers personal hatred. Verse 18, if the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. I've seen this happen a number of times where I'll be talking with someone I don't know, and then the Lord Jesus Christ is brought into the conversation, and their whole demeanor changes. The friendly courteous person turns into someone who you can just feel the resistance coming off of them. You can feel sometimes even the anger coming off of them. Um, I've had, this hasn't happened very often, but I have had a, a couple of times, I've had somebody just filled with hatred who just went on and on and, you know, you can't get a word in edgewise. They're just filled with hatred. Why? Because of the gospel. You see, hatred sometimes lies beneath the surface, and something will bring it out, and the gospel is what brings it out. Uh, Elsewhere, the scripture tells us the word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword, and it divides, and it it cuts, and it exposes who we are. Uh, I was talking with a man a number of years ago, and uh, finally, uh, I kind of got exasperated. The man was so angry with me. I said, look, I said, I don't know you. I said, I don't live in this town. You're not going to come to my church. I said, the only reason I talked to you was because I knew that you needed Christ. And I wanted you to have the joy that I have. And, you know, he kind of backed off a little bit. But, but sometimes that's the case. The gospel will uncover personal hatred. And we don't need to be surprised by that. But you know what the Bible says? We're in good company. They hated Jesus. <laughs> so if they hate Jesus, they'll probably hate us. 
Um, I remember watching a, a video of um, Kirk Cameron. Some of you know who Kirk Cameron is. Um, and uh, he was talking with someone with, about Jesus Christ. And uh, as he was talking, there was this man in the background, and he looked angry. And, he, you know, there were gang members. And uh, the man kind of, you know, was doing this. And, uh, and he said, hey, that's not true. And, uh, and uh, you know, he, he responded back to him and everything. But uh, the video ended, and uh, over a year in the future, uh, Kirk Cameron was, was uh, I think he was with them, and the, the, somehow they saw this guy out with the Bible telling people about Jesus. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? He'd gone from hatred to repentance to change, and, and the Lord had just had, had changed his life, and he loved Jesus. Uh, and the gospel, though he responded with hatred, the gospel penetrated his heart, and he came to faith in Jesus Christ. And what an amazing thing, the power of the gospel. But it will sometimes uncover personal hatred, and you need to be aware of that. So... Um, the effects of spirit-filled truth, what happens when we share the gospel? First of all, the gospel uncovers personal hatred. Secondly, the gospel provokes deliberate persecution. The gospel provokes deliberate persecution. Look at verse 20. Remember the word I spoke to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Now, that word for persecute comes from a Greek word that is sometimes used in the sense of pursuing something. It, it speaks of a, a determined course of action. Um, this is what Saul of Tarsus did to the early church. He pursued them from city to city. He threw Christians in jail. He, he put some to death. Um, and, of course, the, the story goes on the Damascus Road that uh, the light shone from heaven. And Saul of Tarsus was confronted by the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Who are you, Lord, he says. And uh, Jesus says, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. And so <clears throat> Saul's life was changed, and he became possibly the greatest missionary to ever live. For Jesus Christ. But he was a persecutor of the church. I want you to know that the gospel will provoke persecution. Sometimes it will provoke persecution even within the church. People will not like the gospel. Um, generally, it shows. I, I remember uh, Spurgeon told the story he was going uh, he was greeting people as they were going out of the service one day. And uh, the lady came up to him and she said, I didn't like what you had to say today. He said, well, neither did the devil. Classify yourself. <laughs> and so sometimes persecution and animosity comes about because somebody just doesn't know Christ. Um, but uh, persecution is a very real thing in this world today. And I want to tell you, you better be glad you're an American, that you have a constitution and a bill of rights that protects you 
in the culture in which we live because I believe there are some within our culture who would love to persecute Christians like they do in many places around the world. Um, but in places where there are those protections, persecution will happen more subtly. Now, I've mentioned some, some ways people are, are persecuted already, but sometimes a person might lose a job promotion because they named the name of Christ. Or they may lose a friendship. I've told you about the guy that I talked to in the military when I was in the military who sat on the other side of the table after I talked to him about Jesus. The next day he came in, he was on the other side. And, uh, you know, you may lose friendship. You may even have uh, family disharmony because you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I had a friend uh, early on in my ministry who... um, had come to Christ. He was an atheist, and he came to Christ, and all of his family members were atheists. Can you imagine what Thanksgiving was like in that household? (laughs) Uh, But uh, his family was against his most preciously held beliefs. Um, We we heard a story a couple of years ago. One of our former staff members here, who's now pastoring a church in in another town, um, he shared that uh, they had a young Muslim teenager who gave his heart to Christ in a youth camp <clears throat> and came home and his parents, his family disowned him. Uh, that is, is a, a very common thing uh, in the world when, uh, when people trust in Christ. Their family will often disown them uh, because of, of that profession. Um, so persecution kind of happens more under under the radar in our culture, but it does happen, and uh, it can it can be very subtle sometimes. Uh, then uh, sometimes it will be overt. Um, there was a, a a friend of mine who did a whole lot of, of street preaching. He was in a big city, and and this man <coughs> listening. <coughs> Excuse me. Listening to his message, grabbed a hold of his shirt and began to shake. And he was screaming profanities in his face. And then he dropped to his knees and he gave his heart to Christ. (laughs) He was under conviction. Uh, Sometimes persecution. I I remember. my wife, she, she had a co-worker who was an atheist and uh, just couldn't stand Christians. And, and he came, he was giving her a hard time one day, and she said, why are you so angry? He said, if you don't believe in God, why are you angry that I do? He said, well, I'm not angry. She said, yes, you are. And it kind of took him aback. You know, but, but that is the case. Oftentimes, it is because people are under conviction that they have so much anger and animosity. So this persecution happens. Now, in other parts of the world, I want you to know, our brothers and sisters in Christ are are being put in prison. Sometimes they're sold into slavery. Uh, Sometimes um, they are beaten and imprisoned indefinitely. How'd you like to be put in prison and never know the end date of when you were getting out? Uh, That happens in many parts of the world. And uh, I get emails all the time from uh, countries where Christians are persecuted 
and uh, it, there's an organization in our in our country that helps helps those organizations or those people around the world, and uh, they'll be asking prayer for a loved one who's been taken to prison. They, they've kept them in prison. They, they're not giving them a trial. Uh, they're they're not considering any evidence. They're just keeping them in prison, and we don't know when it's going to end. And so these kinds of things happen and are a natural result or effect of sharing the gospel. Paul was persecuted many times, right? He would go to a town, he'd preach the gospel, and there'd be some people who'd be saved. But oftentimes it'd just be a couple of weeks. Paul would have to leave the town because the persecution would get so great against him. One time he was stoned and left for dead. And he got up and, uh, uh, you know, and uh, God preserved him and protected him. Um, he was in prison many times. He, he was uh, beaten with a lash. Um, ultimately, he was beheaded by the Roman government for his faith. But he would go from place to place, and as he preached the gospel... These churches would be established. And see, that's the power of the gospel. They'd run him out of town after a couple of weeks, but the church would remain. And some remain to this day. Oh, the power of the gospel. I want to tell you something. Uh, All the opposition that has been arrayed against the church of Christ, still the kingdom of God moves forward. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. Our Savior cannot be conquered. He is the risen Savior. He's conquered death itself. And His purpose cannot be thwarted. But Jesus said, hey, you need to realize that one of the effects of the gospel is that it provokes deliberate persecution. So it uncovers personal sin, or personal hatred, I'm sorry. Uncovers personal hatred, uh, provokes deliberate persecution. Thirdly, produces genuine repentance i love this verse 20 if they kept my word they will also keep yours isn't that a wonderful thing you see jesus was persecuted but not everybody hated jesus some people responded in repentance and faith and their lives were changed sometimes it produces genuine repentance now it's interesting Jesus says, listen, it's not the delivery, although sometimes we as Christians can be our own worst enemy. We we share in an unkind or untactful way, and and when that happens, uh, people are naturally angry when we do something like that. Uh, But generally speaking, it's not the fact that we are are presenting the gospel in a certain way that... that provokes the response, it's the gospel itself. And so, uh, Jesus says, this happened when I was sharing the gospel. It's going to happen when you share the gospel. Uh, But it's such a wonderful thing to know that sometimes there are going to be people that repent. And, uh, you know, uh, I remember a fellow who came to Christ at my last church and... uh, he said, you know, he said, it's like the last five Sundays you have been talking straight to me. And he said, so I, you know, he, he'd come up and he'd gotten saved. And uh, 
and he was just so excited about the Lord Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, he is still serving, as far as I know, he is still serving in the praise band of the, at that former church that I, that I pastored and, and loves Jesus to this day. Uh, there's some people that uh, I can't remember their names, but I know they're going to be in heaven someday. Isn't that exciting to think about? Um, <clears throat> uh, Philip and I got to uh, meet this guy who'd come back and uh, who was who was saved in uh, kind of an unusual circumstance, and he was telling us after he was saved, he started a Bible study where he was doing cancer treatments, and 15 people came to faith in Christ in the Bible study. We'll never see those people in this church. But I'm going to tell you something. It is a direct result of the ministry of this church and the gospel of Jesus Christ going out. And uh, when we get to heaven, one of the most exciting things will be to see the people that have been influenced through us. And maybe through an act of service that you've done for them in Christian love uh, as you open, help open their heart to Jesus Christ. Uh, it could be a lot of different things that God uses to bring a pe- people to Christ, but uh, it's an exciting thing to think about. I'll never forget uh, when I was in, in college, there was a, uh, um, a group called the Wycliffe Translators who came to our school, and they were sharing. Uh, it's a missionary society, and they um, would train these missionaries to go and translate the Word of God into a, a language where they've never had a copy of the Word of God. And uh, and then they would also witness and, and develop relationships with people and, and try to reach people. But this particular missionary couple had been at this place for 10 years. Uh, they had translated the New Testament into their language. And after 10 years of l- learning the language, translating the scripture, and trying to reach people, they just had one convert. One convert. Uh The missionary's wife uh, developed this illness, and they had to leave the mission field. Came back to the States and and worked worked on her health and everything, and were in the States for a few years, and finally had received an an invitation to come back, and uh, they couldn't stay there because of her health, but they could visit for a brief time. So uh, they decided to come and uh, visit the place where they had served for 10 years. And uh, they, they videotaped this as they were getting off the plane. Most, one of the most moving things I've ever seen. They get off the plane, and as far as the eye could see, there's people. This big, flat, open area filled with thousands upon thousands of people. That one convert had taken the word of God and had gone from village to village to village to village to village, winning people to Jesus Christ. We don't know what God is doing with our service. You keep sharing Christ. You keep telling people about Jesus. You keep praying for lost loved ones. Some of them will repent. 
and you never know what God is going to do. So the effects of spirit-filled truth, it uncovers personal hatred. It provokes deliberate persecution. It produces genuine repentance. It exposes determined rebellion. Look at verse 22. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now they have no excuse for their sin. In other words, they didn't repent. This group of people did not repent. They said, we're going to continue on sinning. We love our sin more than we want to follow Christ. Uh, I, I remember uh, seeing a man one time respond to someone who's witnessing to him. He said, he said, I love my sin too much to trust Jesus. Now, that honesty is rare. <laughs> but uh, at least he was honest enough to say so. But many people don't say that, but that is the reality in their life. They just love their sin too much. They don't want to give their heart to Christ. Sharing the gospel often will provoke that, and it will, it will reveal that, that determined course of sin in a person's life. I remember I was talking to a, to a man one time uh, about uh, salvation, and, and we'd talked a number of times, and he said, he said, do I really have to repent? He just didn't want to repent. <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, you do. You've got to make a choice to turn from your sin in your own way to follow Christ. It's, it's, it's not optional. It's, 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 it's required. It's necessary uh, to enter into eternal life. And, uh, and so uh, I, it's my prayer that he came to Christ. He was under great, very great conviction. I don't know if he ever did come to Christ. But uh, sin oftentimes will be what keeps someone from trusting Christ. So it exposes that determined rebellion. So it uncovers personal hatred. It provokes deliberate persecution. It produces genuine repentance. It exposes determined rebellion. And finally, it reveals willful unbelief. It reveals willful unbelief. Look at verse 24. If I had not done the works among them that no one else has done, they would not have sinned. Now they have seen and have hated both me and my Father. See, the problem wasn't evidence. If you observe Jesus' life, there was a power on his life like no one else had ever had. <laughs> Uh, he, he'd tell demons where to go, and they had to obey. He'd tell the winds and the waves to be still, and they had to be still. Uh, he would heal those born blind. I mean, it, it, the power upon his life was amazing. And so they looked at all this and still chose not to believe. It revealed their willful unbelief. You know, many times, uh, and, and I do believe that there are people who have genuine questions who, that need to be answered, and, and we need to be willing to answer questions when, when lost people have questions. But oftentimes, I think questions are a smokescreen. And you can identify this pretty, pretty easily because when you come to somebody and they've got a question and you answer the question, and they don't say, well, thank you. That was very helpful. And, you know, it seemed like you're really, no, 
the, the first thing they do is bring up another question. They don't respond to you. They, don't, they just bring up another question. If you answer that one, they'll bring up another one. If you answer that one, they'll bring up another one. And another one. And another one. And you begin to think, is this stream of questions never going to end? Why? Because the issue is not the question. The issue is a heart that does not want to believe. Okay? Now, we need to be patient. We don't need to uh, say, well, I, you just don't want to believe, you know. Uh, but, uh, but the fact of the matter is, many times that is the case. And uh, I, I read uh, Nabil Qureshi's uh, uh, biography uh, years ago, and, and he was sharing, he had a friend, a really close friend named David, who talked to him many times about Jesus Christ. And finally, they over months, they had been talking about Jesus, and, and Nabil had been asking questions, and David had been answering him and taking him to others who could answer questions and so forth. And finally, his friend David just said, Hey, Nabil, your questions have been answered. The real issue is, are you going to surrender your life to Jesus Christ and pay the price? He said, I know you're concerned about your family disowning you. He said, but you need to ask yourself, are you willing to pay the price? Because now it's not about your questions. Those have been answered. Will you trust Christ? And, of course, he did. And uh, God used him in a profound way. Um, <clears throat> so the gospel will sometimes reveal willful unbelief. And, you know, I think there are probably elements of a lot of these things in most of our hearts at different times as, as Christ is working on us to bring us to faith in Jesus. I know uh, I had a little bit of willful unbelief in my heart. I, I had thought, well, if I, if I repent of this, what's this going to mean for my life? And I, I've had that question, and I struggle with it. And I didn't want to give up this thing or that thing. And, um, and, and I wrestled. Um, sometimes God takes people through a process, and he's so patient with us. And he's, he's so kind to us, uh, despite our struggles. Um, but I'm so grateful he didn't give up on me. And can I tell you, if you're struggling with one of the things we've mentioned today, if you're a lost person, and maybe there's some willful unbelief, or maybe there is, is, uh, is some, something else uh, in your heart that you're struggling with, um, let me just encourage you that, that Christ loves you, and, uh, and he wants you to know the joy of walking with him. Uh, I want to tell you something. I... I struggled for a year, and when I finally surrendered to Christ, it was like my life began. That's, I mean, it, what, a, what a change. It, there was so much guilt, and there was so much struggle in my heart. And, and you know, experiences can be different with different folks, but I want to tell you, for me, it, it was just like the window open to the rest of my life, and it, it, was, it was such an amazing thing for me. You see, that's what God desires. He desires to change us and usher us in. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. That's his heart. And so the doorway to that is repentance, and we get stuck with that sometimes. But if, let me encourage you today. If you don't know Christ, make that choice t today. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you, and I receive 
your eternal life. And I'm going to tell you something. Uh, Jesus will keep his promise. He said, if you confess me as Lord with your mouth and believe in your heart uh, that I've, I've raised from the dead, you will be saved. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, as your people, help us to be faithful to share the gospel. Uh, Lord, help us uh, love people. Help us be patient with people. Uh, but help us speak the truth that can truly set people free. And uh, Lord, help us to do it in season and out of season. Lord, I know it's difficult right now in our culture. People don't appreciate uh, generally uh, the sharing of the gospel message. But Lord, whether it's convenient or not, Lord, it's our hope. And so, Lord, help us share it. Give us a boldness to share. Give us a, a, a heart that is determined to share uh, so that we can see the difference you want to make in people's lives. And, Lord, for those who are here today that don't know Christ, Lord, help today to be the day they say yes to Jesus and surrender their heart to him and receive his gift of eternal life. And we pray it in Jesus' name.